Alright, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. This week, out the gate, huge announcement. Huge. Okay? I don't want to... I don't want to undersell this announcement that I'm going to make in the next seven seconds, but I just want you guys to spend that seven seconds strapping the fuck in because this is one of the great announcements. The first ever Get Around Me live episode is happening at long last, okay? It's been a long wait. It's been a long time between drinks, except the first drink never came, okay? So Sydney, Friday, December 2nd at Kinsella's. Uh, It's the same venue as the Homecoming Tour, if anyone came to that. But nothing to it but to do it. Tickets are at the link in my Instagram bio. Friday, December 2nd, Sydney, the first ever live episode of the pod. I am fucking ravenous for this, dude. I've been... Looking forward to doing this for about three years. So this is going to be so sick. I've already got some great guests lined up. I've got some stuff planned. Oh, it's going to be all happening. Imagine this right, right now. I'm in your AirPods. What a treat. What a time to be alive. Okay, maybe you come home, you treat yourself to a bit of a bit of the restless JPEG. You know, get, get one of the podcasts up past 200 views on my YouTube channel. We appreciate your work. But imagine that, I mean, live, that's like the restless JPEG on steroids. It's some sort of a metaverse extravaganza, if you will. And it's going to be so sick. I'm not, I know people won't froth this, but I don't think I'm going to release it publicly or not publicly, release it at all. Because I kind of just want it to be so red hot in the room. I just want it to be like out of control in the room, kind of, you know, I want to just like say whatever kind of like a lock-in type vibe, you know? No, there'll be no P's and Q's and there'll be nothing that will be too blue for the pod at this live event. So December 2nd, it's not the biggest room. So if you'd like to come, get in quick. This will sell out. And yeah, I don't have anything else to say except I am absolutely pumped, dude. It's going to be unreal. Got some stuff planned. Thinking of some more stuff. You know, potential VIP meet and greet with Macca. There's plenty to go through. But the first ever live episode of the pod, December 2nd, link in my bio, Sydney, see you there. And then failing some sort of a Will Smith incident, next year I will do a full tour of Australia doing the live podcast. I don't want to speak too soon. I don't want to speak out of school. I don't want to get too blue. Uh, but I've got a pretty good feeling about this first live one and failing some sort of a uh, plumbing explosion or potentially if Pat Doherty says the N-word on stage. But failing those two, those two outcomes, I've I got to say, this, this will be the first, the first live pod, the first one in Sydney. But to people who don't live in Sydney, you, you don't need to message me saying, what the bloody hell, because next year I'll be coming around the corner, Okay. So looking forward to that. Come along if you would like. Second 
almost even more exciting announcement. I mean, Jesus Christ, what a time it is to be alive. But I have re-entered the workforce. Okay? Got to pay those bills. Got to pay that rent. And outside of this live podcast, which is a blatant cash grab, uh, you know, you, you got you to gotta keep those bills at arm's length. And that's exactly what I've done. I've re-entered the workforce uh, in a casual capacity. Okay, Billy Darcy, casual by name, casual by nature, as always. Dude, I love casual work because casual work, it, casual work sees the world I do, and that is week to week. You ask me what I've got going on, I'll tell you exactly what I've got going on until this Sunday. After that, the absolute abyss, mate. I couldn't tell you, you know? I might be moving to Thailand on Tuesday. It wouldn't even be on my mind. It's too, it's too far ahead. Who has the sort of time for that sort of forward thinking? You know what I mean? You know, and that's why casual work is fantastic. It's week to week. Oh, Bill, what's your availability like in four weeks? What do I look like, a fucking fortune teller? Sorry, mate. Do you have any tarot cards I could borrow? I don't know. With any luck, four weeks from now, I'll be doing well enough to quit this casual job. You know, if you want to really talk about manifesting something for a month from today. But then again, that's a pretty awkward conversation to have with your supervisor when he's asking you if you can work Melbourne Cup. Mate, I'll stop you there. I can't. Okay, I can't. I actually said in the interview, the guy was like, do you have anything coming up? And I was like, mate, I've, I've already got plans for Melbourne Cup. Now, I don't have any official plans, uh, but here's the thing. No one has official plans for Melbourne Cup. There's a reason Melbourne Cup is already in the iPhone calendar. Factory settings, default. You'll see the Melbourne Cup in there. That's because it's, it's one of the great days, and whether you have plans or not, you should be getting amongst it, okay? Melbourne has a public holiday. If, if, if we're not getting a public holiday, the very least we can do in Sydney and the other cities of this great nation is not work, okay? So I said, mate, honestly, I, I can't work Melbourne Cup. And he said, he said the role doesn't actually start until a week after Melbourne Cup. I said, mate, I won't say it again. I'm not coming in on Melbourne Cup. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's good. Good to be back in the casual workforce. I do have to sharpen up on my groveling and cowering uh, to appease whatever beta male will no doubt be my manager. But apart from that, looking forward to it, grateful for the opportunity. Uh, And all I can say is now that I have secured a summer job, it is time to cut the shit and let Brazilians back into this country en masse. I was uh, nervous to fly the flag too hard for the Brazilians while I was still in the job market myself. Because let me tell you, if you're interviewing Billy Darcy and then you're interviewing a sea of of Brazilian men, 28, they're absolute tens with a half-sleeve tattoo and a work ethic I could only dream of, you know, I've got no chance, okay? I'm not winning that fight, nor am I going to try to. So these boys will come in and interview as a team, five of them, and they'll, they'll do it for the same price as just one incompetent white man so now that i've snuck in the back door and secured uh, some rental payments for the summer let's get the boys back in you know let's get every let's get the workforce cranking again i was hoping my my romantic summer job that i was hoping to get was posty 
I'd love to. I'd love to be a postie for the summer. You know, work on my beautiful Irish tan, uh, which is really just freckles and and no doubt what will turn into melanomas. But dude, how cool would it be if you had a summer where you were like a postie and had like a summer romance? You know, you finish the rounds, drop off everyone's mail, then fucking drive around to your new missos place, jump on the back of the scooter, babe. Hey, I'm a working class man, and uh, we're gonna make it together. <laughs> But anyway, dude, so live podcast coming in hot December 2nd. I'm back in the casual workforce. I mean, it's win after win after win here at Get Around Me. So very exciting stuff ahead. Now, let's crack into the yarns from the week that was, and i got to say, I've got a good one for you. So interesting weekend. What I had over the weekend was my 10-year high school reunion. Now, time flies. 10 years since I have graduated high school. What do I have to show for it? (laughs) Next question, dude. Okay, next question. But I will say this. High school reunions. For some reason, they do feel like loaded events. A lot of people didn't want to go. A lot of people didn't go from my year. The turnout was, in hindsight, because I actually had, we had the most fun. It was cranking. But in hindsight, probably like 50 out of 150 blokes turned up, okay? I went to a private boys' school, and I don't think anything about this podcast uh, would shock you there. But what I will say is a lot of people didn't turn up, and I would recommend you do go, because every single one of us that did go, we said the exact same thing. Firstly, mate, I didn't want to go either. Nobody wanted to go, okay? It's awkward. You haven't seen most of these people in 10 years. And, you know, 95% of them, it's not because you haven't run into them. The truth is you never really connected, you know? The harsh reality of high school is when you're on the bus and you're playing soccer with your 35 friends, the harsh reality is what you have there is 33 acquaintances and two blokes you'll probably have a beer with you know, further on into adulthood, you know, two good mates and then 32 acquaintances. But apart from that, you know what I mean? You're living in some sort of a fantasy land in high school. You think you've got like 34 close friends when, you know, six months after graduation, you will be failing to remember most of their names. But I will say this, despite the anxiety beforehand, I rock up within two minutes, bam, it's just cranking, dude, you know? You know everyone there. It's a party where you know every single person and you've got something in common with them. So you don't have to... It's not awkward at all. It's hilarious, dude. It was great catching up with everyone. And also, I feel like a lot of people have like sort of main character energy like, oh, fuck high school. I'm never going back there. Let me tell you guys, just let it go. It's not cool to have a high school size chip on your shoulder unless you turned out to be famous or gay. But then again, look at me, I'm both and I still went. So what's your excuse? You know what I mean? And the other thing with high school is if you had any issues in high school, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to come here with some sort of a tearful admission of what a tough time I had in high school, okay? I was captain of the cricket team, I had fantastic hair, I was yet to hit puberty, but I was pretty well liked, okay? I was pretty well liked. So, you know, I was happy to go. 
But if you did have a bad time in high school, keep in mind that all the people that were mean to you were fucking 15 years old. You know what I mean? If some 15-year-old down the street gives me grief for my lunchtime walk today, I'm going to either laugh or, failing that, kick the shit out of him because he's 15 and he's a fucking idiot, okay? So don't hold on to stuff that some legitimate 14-year-old said to you upwards of a decade ago and, and hold on to a grudge for these blokes, you know, for years to come because, honestly, no one gives a fuck and you just missed a cracking arvo. So get over yourself, you know? Because I, I ran into a few blokes in the lead-up from my year, you know, around town. I was like, oh, you're going to that reunion? And the energy was like, nah, fuck those dogs. And it's like, mate, that's pretty aggressive. That's a pretty aggressive attitude to hold for over a decade just because you got Falkland after an assembly. You know what I mean? But anyway, went to the reunion. Great experience. A humbling one at that. Okay, a few of these blokes have absolutely Steve Bradbury the shit out of us. I'll be very candid. Mate, the learning support boys, fucking hell. The learning support boys, it looked like the goddamn Forbes top 40. You know, they're all, they're all running their own businesses, owning mul multiple properties. Do you know how confronting it is where last time you saw someone they couldn't read and now they're much wealthier than you? <laughs> it's wild. I'm not even ripping on them because they're going great. Good on them. And uh, it just goes to show, you know, high school, that thing where they say, you know, don't worry about it. It's not for everyone. Mate, these blokes have proved it. One of them runs a fucking export business now. I swear to God, last time I saw him, he couldn't spell export. You know, I think he thought export was a place that used to be a port. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude. That just goes to show as well, you should always be nice to everyone because you don't know who's who. And what's what? You don't know who's going to end up where. Some of the smartest blokes in my year are doing nothing for no one. And the learning support boys, they've got a fucking Rolls Royce parked out the front, you know? <laughs> oh, it was awesome. It was really, really fun. There was a lot of property chat. You know, everyone's sort of 28. I'm 27. And, uh, you know, I was, I was one of those weirdos who was young for his year for whatever reason. Um, which ended up being a really good decision by my parents because, like I said, I did go on to hit puberty at 22. So glad I was even younger than my counterparts. But, dude, there was a lot of chat of, yeah, how you going, mate? Oh, mate, you know, wife, kid on the way, two houses, you know, this sort of stuff. I'm there. I, I don't even need to tell people what I'm up to. My fucking, my outfit and general demeanor will let you know that I'm yet to purchase property. Okay, check the haircut, dude. No, I don't have any fucking property. But what I do have is a great attitude and, uh, and I'm here to learn about your fantastic life. So it was a lot of fun. It was that thing where people would be like, why haven't you bought a house yet? And then you've just got to sort of tiptoe around the fact that you don't have any money. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh, Bill, have you bought a, have you bought a property yet? Because a lot of the blokes there, not a lot of them, but there was a, a select few of the blokes there who were under the impression I was like Kevin Hart or something. And to be fair to them, I could have done more on my end um, to fix up that illusion. You know what I mean? Some blokes clearly thought I was like some sort of a multi-millionaire. And, uh, you know, I definitely let those perceptions ride further than I should have. But, but yeah, blokes are like, oh, mate, have you have you you bought a property yet? What are you up to? I go, nah, I haven't 
haven't purchased any property yet, mate. Just uh, yeah, you know, market's probably not where I'm where I'm looking for it to be. All my money's caught up in crypto, and uh, you know, all the houses I looked at were were painted cream, mate. It's not really my favorite color. So one of the lads was like, "Oh, you could just paint it a different color." I was like, "Ah, it's not really how I operate, mate." But anyway, yeah, still looking, still looking. Not a financial issue. Still looking, still looking. But uh, <laughs> it's interesting, dude. It's really interesting. But one of the blokes, I was razzing one of the lads because he lives in Canberra and uh, he's, he has like an indie film podcast, my my mate, and uh, he's just a fucking legend, this bloke. It was good to see him. But I was razzing him like, oh, he, he's, he's the Canberra lefty here to lecture us. And uh, mate, I swear to God at one point, um, he was trying to convince me the pot plants hanging from the roof were an endangered native species. I said, burners, mate, they're plastic. You need to calm down. And he said, yeah, mate, native plastic. And uh, he went off and chained himself to one of those in some sort of a, uh, a protest type situation. God bless him. But bants aside, i tell you what did happen at the reunion that was honestly quite inspiring is all the groups from high school. You know, you got the footy guys, you got the cricket guys, you got the drama guys, you got the bloody, the drug dealers, you got the wog squad, you know, those last two groups might have been the same group, but... Here's the thing, dude. All the groups just dissolved. It was like some sort of a social utopia. You know, we had like vice captain of the footy team and and one of the biggest nerds in the fucking year. Bam. They're, they're getting on like a house on fire. You know, drug guys and, and cricket guys. I was hanging out with the Wogs. I was in with the Wog boys. This is something we've not seen before. And... I know you can't say WOG anymore, but these it was the WOG group in high school, and I haven't seen them since. I simply haven't had time to adjust, you know? Am I supposed to call these great men the Italo-Australian community? Because I simply just don't have the time. If I start hitting that many syllables on a daily basis, I'm going to be late for my new casual job. So, don't know what to do about that, but I, I, I fucking loved it. It was really great. Everyone was just chatting to everyone, and... It was just a fun time. I don't know what to tell you. But if you've got yours coming up in the next couple of years, I'm telling you, just go. There's nothing to lose. It was so fun. It was really, really fun. And uh, I'm just trying to think. A couple of of the blokes were... It was one of those things where there were a couple of blokes where you go, fuck, I've got stuck with so-and-so. I'm under the pump here. And and you think and and that was eye opening cuz you go fucking hell this guy wasn't good at conversation in high school he's still crap at conversation this bloke's put together a decade of some of the worst banter you've ever seen you know so that was confronting one of the lads uh in the 10 years since i last saw him went viral on facebook years ago for doing a 30 centimeter line of coke um so it was good to reconnect with him see what he's been up to and he actually broke the news that most of the line uh, was actually Dexies. Not it wasn't a, a it wasn't fully cocaine. The thirty centimeter line. So, just goes to show, never meet your heroes. Um, but apart from that, just a really great experience. I had one thing. I got to come clean. My mate Burners, who I was I was talking about before, great guy, dude. I got to I I just got to get this off my chest. I smoke-bombed so hard on Saturday night at the reunion. It was crazy. The most despicable smoke-bomb of my career, okay? It was one of those things where, so what happened was, 
4 a.m. Sunday morning, I got like freaking five of the lads coming around for UFC. And also, absolute barn burner Friday night. So me and Macca had done a 3 a.m. job Friday night. I'm going to the reunion Saturday night, but I'm thinking it starts at 5. You know, I was anxious, didn't want to go. It'll probably be crap. I'll leave at like 8, get to bed for 10, wake up at 4. Obviously, mate, you walk into this reunion, it gets to 7, 8 p.m. I'm tapping a toe, I'm catching a vibe, few high fives. Um, you know, Vesh, who played under-20s for the Parramatta Eels, he looked me in the eye briefly, which I'll admit was a thrill. And, mate, it was just so much fun. Then 8.30, 9, then we're on to a second pub. And I, I then we go to the second pub. The second pub's crank it even harder. It's, there's a lot going on in the room. It's getting harder and harder to leave, and I've got to get up at 4 a.m. So I get burners a beer, bup, 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 and then finish that. He goes, mate, I'll, I'll get the next one. I go, yeah, I'm going to the bathroom. Into fucking thin air, brother. Thin air. I couldn't even look myself in the mirror when I came home, okay? I, was just, I, just, I didn't even get to sleep. I just spent the whole night screaming at the wall. But yeah, shocking smoke bomb from me shocking you know because what what is so shameful about a smoke bomb it's that you didn't have the courage to look him in the eye and say i'm leaving dude i'm fucking leaving okay so truly embarrassing smoke bomb from me and uh yeah but apart from that phenomenal night phenomenal night interesting night humbling night fantastic night great to see all those guys again Highly recommend uh, you go to your 10-year reunion because it was a lot of fun. Anyway, just last night, oh, sorry, next yarn. I don't know if that segue was completely obvious. But just last night, I was doing some stand-up comedy in the city, you know, bashing out some new material, working on next year's show, putting in the work so that when you, the listener, come and pay your $29 plus booking fee next year, to see Billy Darcy fucking melt the paint off the walls for a gentleman's 55. I'm putting in the work now so that you have a fantastic night come next year. So I'm out there, I'm doing it, I'm testing the jokes, I'm testing myself, I miss my ex-girlfriend. It's all happening, dude, okay? It's all happening. But, so I'm doing comedy uh, with TikTok and comedic superstar Will Gibb last night. And Pat Doherty was also there, but he doesn't get any adjectives because he's not successful. So doing some comedy, and this is what happens when you've got a mate who's famous on TikTok. Will goes, oh, heads up, Peking Duck are coming to the show tonight. I go, okay, looking at these new jokes I've lined up, and I'm thinking, right, Peking Duck is coming. All right, whatever, here we go. Then you walk in, I walk into the gig, the inspired unemployed are there. I'm thinking, fucking hell, we got Peking Duck over here, the inspired unemployed over there, you know, there's a bit on in the room, there's a fucking, there's a bit on in the room, all of a sudden you're getting a bit nervous, you're thinking, oh god, last time me and Pat did a gig with the inspired unemployed, we bombed, okay, I'll be candid now, we, me and Pat bombed, and the stage collapsed under me, and it wasn't due to me crushing so hard, if anything, the stage was trying to leave the room uh, to not be associated with my set, but... So this time, redemption arc, here we come. And dude, so I go up there, whatever, it's kicking. Great times, great classic hits. There's these old guys. 
that are just loving it. Okay, like they're blind. They're like 60. I don't know if they were Will's dad's mates or what, but uh, they were absolutely loving it. One guy like was snorting at like setups. Like I'm like, I was walking down the street and this guy's just snorted off the rip, you know? So great times. Will Gibb goes on to headline. He's having a great set. And dude, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. This guy in the second row who's with like the older guys passes out, like goes to sleep. Do you have any idea how offensive that is to a stand-up comedian to legitimately fall unconscious during Will's act? Dude, the funniest thing was though, so the guy falls asleep. Now, I'll come clean. I've had a guy fall asleep during my act in Wollongong years ago, okay? And it is it is quite crushing. But the guy who fell asleep during my set was at least about 70. This guy was in his 50s, so that's more offensive. But what happened was, so then, obviously, that's a laugh. This guy's fallen asleep during Will's set. Can you believe it? Bup, bup, bup. Then usually you'd wake him up, etc. Dude... <laughs> This guy would not wake up. Like, Will is screaming at him. The whole room's going nuts. Will's screaming bomb threats on stage. He's like, there's a bomb. There's a bomb on on the stage. We're all going to die. This guy's still just getting into his work, dude. You know, he's, 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 he's just getting 11 hours of kip in the second row. He would not wake up. It's the funniest fucking thing. Because, like, I mean, do you have any idea what it feels like to be a stand-up comedian and you can't even wake the bloke up, let alone make him laugh? It's like, oh, my God. And, like, obviously, this is a pretty wild situation. And it all made sense in the end. It turns out the guy had full-blown narcolepsy, okay? So I've never seen someone with narcolepsy, like, in the wild before where they just go out like that. But, like, this guy was having the time of his life and then a second later was just unconscious and he didn't wake up for the rest of the show. His mates were chill. They were like, he has narcolepsy. Don't worry about it. Dude, he did not wake up. I've never seen anything like it. Unfortunately, by the time he's, he's, it's come out that this man actually suffers from an illness called narcolepsy. And there's nothing he can do about it. Well, if you want to speak about people with their hands tied, before I found out he had narcolepsy, I've already posted upwards of seven Instagram stories. Literally laughing my head off. So... You know, no harm, no foul. Too late to delete those, but it was fucking hilarious, dude. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. If you saw my Instagram story, I couldn't even breathe. I could not breathe. <laughs> Which is ironically uh, what we thought he couldn't do um, for the first couple of minutes he wouldn't wake up. So, hilarious situation. Great gig, great times, great classic hits, etc., dude. Etc. Okay, we're going to crack into... Some more of the red flags that have been sent in over the previous weeks. First red flag, and this guy is in the news, but also it's a red flag if you follow or enjoy this man. Red flag, liking James Corden. Okay, now I don't want to come into this one with too much energy or too much uh, get too revved up uh, because I must admit and come clean on the podcast that I have disliked James Corden for upwards of a decade. And people that like James Corden, it's just a very, he's a very bland man to like. He's always around someone interesting. He's always next to someone talented. You know, he's never really in the mix. And that's fine. You know, he's like just sort of an obese Jimmy Fallon. He sits there and laughs. But the thing with James Corden is that 
I think I've, I'm not the only one who's had this feeling that this guy is probably a cunt. He's got that rich, you know, he looks like the principal's son at a private school. You know, he's got like Dudley Dursley vibes, you know. Looks like a Christmas. He'd be saying, last year, last year, I have 37 presents, you know. And then, and then his dad would come over. Oh, James, we'll take you to the zoo, you fat fuck, you know. Like, it's just, there's, there's been something off about James Corden. Huge Ellen vibes, you know. You know when he's laughing, doing the carpool karaoke, giggling, you know, wearing a top hat or whatever obese British people do. You've just, you, there was the sense. There was like, there's no way this guy's a good bloke. There's just no way. And it turns out he's not. And I personally am absolutely relieved, you know, um, because here's what's happened. He's, he's dined at a, a New York restaurant and just straight out abused the shit out of one of the staff, okay? And how you treat hospitality staff members is a massive marker of a person, uh, regardless of whether it be a red flag or not. You know, it's just, it's not chill, dude. It is not chill. How you treat people beneath you in any situation is is the marker of that person. And James Corden, dude, it's like, (sighs) here's the thing, James, you're a celebrity, okay? No one's arguing that. Or at the very least, you often stand near them, okay? But James Corden, I don't care how famous you are. I don't care how many times you sit in a Volkswagen Beetle next to Lady Gaga. You are not good looking or talented enough to be a cunt to anyone. You're just not, you know? Like, I understand that celebrities get a distorted view of the world and and many of them turn into rude pieces of shit. You know, if I hear that Brad Pitt went off the handle at some waitress, you know, because she got his omelette wrong or what have you, part of me is thinking, wow, Brad Pitt... Sounds like a real piece of shit. The other part of me is thinking, well, we better get this omelette right because this is fucking Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not saying Brad Pitt's a piece of shit. I'm just saying that if he chose to be, there'd be a part of each of us that say, you know what? When you got a jawline that good and your hair's cranked for over two decades, maybe you can get a bit snippy with some weight stuff. You know what I mean? It's not that it's okay, but it's almost like I kind of get it. James Corden coming in, with his rich kid, posh. I'm trying to think of creative ways to insult this man without sort of, um, you know, just pointing out the fact he is, he is quite obese. But, but dude, yeah, it's just James Corden. He, he's been simmering for years. I'm so relieved to find out he's a piece of shit. I've always hated him. And if you like James Corden, it's such a red flag. He's such like a homogenous pop culture figure. You know, if you if you like James Corden... Your favorite color is probably cream, you know? You probably wear socks and thongs around the house because you're indecisive. If you if you like James Corden, you probably honestly think Jeffrey Epstein just fell over and hit his head. You know what I mean? That's the sort of pelican you are. If, if you like James Corden, you probably, you probably talked about crypto when it was cool to talk about crypto and then never spoke about it again. You know, James Corden just has a lack of edges. If you like James Corden, your personality is as round and shapeless as his midsection, okay? James Corden is just, he's a cultural mirror. It's just no good. It's just no good. I'm not going to talk about James Corden anymore because I clearly have a massive issue with him. 
But it's a massive red flag. If, if you find that guy funny or follow his, uh, his career, it's, it's a red flag, okay? And if you are James Corden, uh, you are a red flag and one of the bigger ones we've seen. Anyway, next up, speaking of socks and thongs, people that wear socks and thongs, it's a red flag. I don't know what to tell you. Because here's the thing, thongs exist and Ugg boots exist. For me, that's a tools down moment, okay? Summer and winter, cricket and footy, thongs and Ugg boots, okay? It's the duality of the universe. If you wear socks and thongs, you're indecisive, you know? You're the sort of bloke who's standing in front of Cabri and Milky Bar for upwards of 12 minutes trying to work out who's who and what's what, okay? Make up your mind. And here's the thing. When you wear socks and thongs, you're destroying the sock and the thong. It's disrespectful to either item. You're you're ruining the shape of of the sock. You're affecting the elasticity at the front of the foot. And then really, you're putting pressure on the, on the pluggers themselves. You know, you're risking a blowout with a sock and thong type, type situation, you know. And then you'll see blokes, they're wearing worn out socks so they fit in with the thong better. Now you're, on, if you're, now you're wearing worn out socks with thongs on a tepid spring day. You're acknowledging spring's a season. That's a crime in and of itself. It's pretty simple. If it's cold, you put your Ugg boots on. If it's not, you don't. Tools are down, okay? Tools are down. Anyway, next red flag, and this one is probably the funniest one I've ever seen. (laughs) This one's dumb, but who gives a fuck? This red flag got sent in, and it's so funny. Red flag, if you're an active member of (laughs) Al-Qaeda. Oh, dude, whoever sent that in, fucking hell, that's funny. That is so funny, dude. <laughs> Imagine you go on a date with someone and they're like, yeah, I love the color blue. I'm part of Al-Qaeda. Um, I'm, I'm pretty interested in crypto. You'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dude, such a red flag to be an active member of Al-Qaeda. I love that they put active as well, you know, because if someone's an ex-member of Al-Qaeda, it's like, you know, we all, you know, we all, we all did some weird shit in our 20s, but... <laughs> also in 2022 to be a member of al-qaeda it's like dude what the hell is this 2003 you know get with the program and join isis do you still listen to jojo as well <laughs> oh god these red flags they're so funny red flag oh i i, I hate to divide the pod i hate to divide the pod but if you are a member of the terrorist group Al-Qaeda. Guys, I don't know what to tell you. It's a red flag, you know? I reckon I could post this video on TikTok saying if you it's a red flag to be a member of a terrorist organization. And I reckon I'd honestly get less, less flack than I did for saying red flag if you use Android phones. You know what I mean? I reckon the Al-Qaeda community, if this were, if this made if that clip made its way onto Iranian TikTok, if such a thing exists. I think the the Al-Qaeda community would come at me with less aggression than the Android community, okay? And say what you will about the Android community, say what you will about the Al-Qaeda community, at least the Al-Qaeda community will actually do something um, when they're talking, you know what I mean? The Android community, it's just a bunch of incels in an echo chamber. At least Al-Qaeda will put their money where their mouth is and walk the fucking walk. So 
red flag if you are a member of Al Qaeda. <laughs> okay, I, I highly doubt that makes the cut. But anyway, whatever, dude. Billy Darcy edits this podcast and he can make up his own mind. Okay, up next, a couple of topics I would like to crack into. So first off, our main man, captain of this great nation, company man, absolute sort, Pat Cummins, is in the news. He has taken an ethical stance against the Alinta Energy ads on television. He will no longer uh, be a part of them. And I know what you're thinking. Bill, what are you talking about? Pat Cummins loves Alinta Energy. He's the face of it, you know? This guy, there was no one more ravenous for Alinta Energy than Pat Cummins. And, you know, that's no longer the case. They were, to be fair to Pat, I'd be coming up with any excuse to get out of these things, ethics or otherwise. The Alinta Energy ad campaign has to be one of the worst ad campaigns in the history of Australian sport. I, I, and you know what? The acting from the lads was subpar, but you've got to blame the scripts. I mean, the script for these ads, it looks like they were definitely written in like a, a freaking focus group environment at the top of a skyscraper somewhere by millionaires who haven't spoken to a real person in quite some time. You know, it was just the dumbest. <laughs> they were not funny in any way, shape or form. And Cricket Australia has a rich tradition of fantastic ads. You know, Wheat Bix, Gatorade, VB, KFC, Solo. I mean, all the ad campaigns uh, surrounding these fantastic organisations were absolutely hilarious, featuring the players themselves. So Alinta Energy dropped the ball. But anyway, so Pat Cummins is uh, environmentally conscious now and has issue with the fact that the parent company of Alinta Energy is one of Australia's biggest carbon emitters of, of the current time. So that's fine. Pat Cummins has taken a stand there. I will say, to be fair to Pat, one of the last ads he appeared in for Alinta Energy where him and Marnus were actually fracking in the Northern Territory to build a new cricket ground. I Even myself, I did find that one to be quite on the nose. So I'm not sure if this is the beginning of a potential lefty bad boy phase for Pat Cummins, but if it is, I'm in for it, dude. If this guy becomes like politically activated and starts like chaining himself to trees and shit with those beautiful baby blue eyes, dude, if Pat Cummins gets thrown in a paddy wagon, there will be some women in this nation who will just pass out from sheer sexual arousal, okay? Pat Cummins, if Pat Cummins turns into a political bad boy, women around the country will just be dropping dead from excitement. It will be too much. I personally will be struggling to stay conscious, okay? It's a lot. But let's, cr let's, let's crawl into this a little bit and see what's what. Because it is interesting because Pat Cummins is the captain and Alinta Energy is the major sponsor. So, and I think I did read as well, there's a thing in Pat Cummins' contract where... He only had to be part of the ads for two years, which he has done. Then he said, mate, I've done my two years. I'm a political bad boy and I've had enough of this shit, okay? You corporate dogs have controlled me for too long. I would love to hear Pat Cummins say that. <laughs> but it's interesting because it's a different side of Pat Cummins. And celebrities in general and athletes, they're sort of their own political entities now. And they have leverage and they can fucking... They can make these decisions for themselves and it's kind of exciting. And I, a lot of people will say, 
and this is most of the people from the comments I saw on the social media, mate, it's like that thing with the uh, NBA players when they protest uh, Black Lives Matter. A lot of people, the mentality, they say, just shut up and dribble. You know, you're a sports star and no one's paying you to be political or, or, or say these things. And, you know, that's one way to look at it. But then that means no one would ever say anything except for politicians and they're all corrupt dogs. So someone's going to have to say something at some point. Next time you're at a dinner party and someone says, oh, they bring up anything political, it's like, hey, hey, Gina, don't forget you're an admin assistant, not a politician. So shut the fuck up. You know, it's a free country and Pat Cummins is allowed to not expose. What's the word I'm looking for? Share any views he may have. And this one doesn't feel particularly controversial to me. It's the environment. You know, I don't understand people who are anti-environment. Pat's like, I don't want to be in these ads because this company damages the environment. The way some people talk about the environment, it's like they were made in a Holden factory or something. You know, people talk about the environment like it doesn't affect them. It's like, mate, if I cut you open, is oil going to come out? No. Just, just fucking right-wing blood, most likely, which is fine. But I'm saying we're all in it together, you know. I feel like the environment's a pretty easy cause to get behind. So it's interesting from Pat. So Pat's come out and done that and, you know, play on. The ads suck. I think, if anything, he's dodged a bullet. And, and if anything, a lint energy should take from this is that we've got to punch up these scripts on these ads, Okay. Because Pat Cummins has drawn an ethical line, but it, you make that, that line a lot easier to draw uh, when the ads are so shit. And this sort of leads into this net, next thing. The story of the week in the sporting world is this Australian netball team Diamonds sponsorship row. Now, obviously, I'm not particularly interested in the Australian netball team. Okay, I briefly spoke about the men's team last week, but most of that time... I was just trying to resist the urge uh, to make a fairly offensive gay joke. So I'm not really in the netball world, nor do I particularly care. But this thing of ethics and religion in sport keeps coming up. And I actually find it really fucking interesting. So what happened was Hancock Mining, Gina Reinhardt's company, sponsors Netball Australia 15 mil. Okay, 15 mil cold hard cash. Now... That's great. Netball Australia is kicking it. They got Hancock mining on the front of the jerseys. Play on. It comes out, Gina Reinhardt's dad in 1984 uh, said they should sterilize the Aboriginal population to breed them out of existence, basically. And uh, one of the more casually genocidal things that a man has ever, ever spoken on God's green earth. Now, so he said that that they need to basically exterminate Aboriginal people. Cut to 2022, Hancock Mining sponsors the netball team. There's an Aboriginal player in the team. She she doesn't even really do anything. She just made it known in the group that she was uncomfortable with wearing the Hancock Mining thing on the jersey, not to mention mining companies routinely destroy Aboriginal sacred sites. I mean, it's pretty above board so far. I can totally see why she'd be uncomfortable with this. And... Here's the thing. I find these situations fascinating, like with the Essendon football guy. is like, I feel like a lot of these things could be nipped in the bud early and then not become a big issue. You know, with the Essendon football guy who was a, a rampant Christian, like he should never have really got the job or they should have vetted that in, 
in the interview process, you know? And now with this one with Gina Reinhart, it's like it's become this huge issue. And it's like, Gina, mate, you could easily just come out and say, hey, what my dad said about exterminating a whole culture was actually not chill, you know? <laughs> I don't think that's a particularly wild thing to ask of a mining billionaire. It takes two seconds to distance herself from these comments. You know, I love my dad as much as the next bloke, but if my dad came out saying some of this shit, saying we need to exterminate a whole culture, you know, I'd be like, Jesus Christ, Big Mick, like what's gone into you, you know? I'd be having a word. <laughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't be holding the fort for for Mr. Darcy on that one. I'll tell you that for free. And <laughs> how hard is it just for Gina Reinhardt to be like, "Hey, my dad was swinging wild in the 80s. Different time. I still love him. What he said was, you know, horrific. That is not the, you know, how we feel at fucking Hancock whatever. Play on girls." And then they're just shooting baskets or whatever. And Instead, Gina Reinhart has said, fuck you guys, and just pulled the sponsorship, and now Netball Australia is low-key fucked. And here's the thing. They cited, Hancock Mining said that sports should not be used as a vehicle for socio-political issues, which I'll go in on. Let's jump on that. Okay, let's jump on the Gina, the Gina train. You know, shut up and dribble, okay? That's one way of looking at things. But, I mean, really, when you're talking about... <laughs> we're not talking about the budget here, are we, Gina? You know, we're not talking about extra spending in the education sector. You know, we're talking about really uh, genocidal comments. So I don't know if it's really a political issue, babe. Probably more in the human rights sector. And the thing is now, are we going to live in a world where sport exclusively has to have ethical sponsors? Because that's going to be an interesting world to live in. And where do you draw the line? Because if you want huge corporate sponsors with lots of money to spend on sponsorship and you want an ethical company, you know, these two things don't usually hang out in the same space. You know what I mean? So it's going to be tough. I mean, I hope for Netball Australia's sake, there's a, a local green juice company with a spare 15 mil to throw at the gals. Where's Twiggy Forrest when you need him? You know, that guy, that, come on, Twiggy, throw in 15 mil, you sexy son of a bitch. But I think with this Alinta Energy thing, the freaking Hancock landscaping or mining, I should say, it's clear that sport is taking a turn. And the world of professional sport is starting to draw its own lines. And I think we're going to see more of a shift towards ethical sponsorships. Cricket Australia has said they will not renew with Alinta Energy. And here's the thing as well, is that Companies don't want to be dragged into this mess. Alinta Energy, everyone knows that Pat Cummins hates Alinta Energy. Everyone loves Pat Cummins. If Pat Cummins hates you, you're obviously doing something wrong. You know, so now Alinta Energy, they've, got, they've given us Cricket Australia fucking 60 mil and in exchange, they've got bad press. That's not a good deal. So I think we're going to see a lot more ethical sponsorships. I think the lesson here is stick with alcohol and gambling. You know what I mean? Say what you will about Victoria Bitter, but they never tried to blow up Uluru, did they? But sport is starting to draw its own ethical lines, and I've got to say, it's fucking interesting. I like talking about this stuff on the pod sometimes because I feel like I'm working it out with you guys because I don't fucking know, you know what I mean? But anyway, dude, we've got the project, and then I'll be out of your hair.
Okay, so this week on The Project, once again, The Project is the segment where we celebrate Australian talent, killing it here and abroad. This week, we're not going too far. The Australian men's cricket team is currently participating in the T20 World Cup. It's interesting because we lost all our warm-up games and we didn't look good in the warm-up games. We didn't play well. And Finchie said, I, th- I-, I think Finchie, I don't know. <laughs> I-, I have uh, no time left for Aaron Finch, okay? And that's all I'll say because I do, I do like Aaron Finch, but I think it's become quite untenable. I, I don't like this thing where they, just, they make a decision nine months ago and have to stick with it no matter what. I don't, I, I'm in for plans, but I think you have to change plans when they don't work. And Aaron Finch has got, he got like 150 in the warm-up games, batting four, and held onto his spot by the skin of his teeth. I don't like this thing where you say, all right, we've got Aaron Finch as captain, and he's going to be captain till 2025. You know, that's what they did with this. They said Aaron Finch is going to captain the Australian team at the T20 World Cup, no matter what. He is our captain. And they made that decision a year ago. And in reality, he should have been dropped in June. But whatever. We play terribly in the warm-up games. And then plot twist, we play terribly in our opening game. We lose to New Zealand pretty handsomely. And it's almost like the warm-up games are there to build momentum for the tournament itself. Uh, I'm sorry to get so divisive and crazy with these out-there opinions. But who knows? Maybe that's what they were for. So we get pumped in our first game. Luckily, we're playing Sri Lanka next who we were able to beat last night. Very exciting. Uh, Marcus Stoinis, absolute sort. You want to talk about a bad boy. I, I, I would go in on like a Marcus Stoinis scandal this summer. Nothing weird, but I'd like for maybe like Stoinis just to start, you know, knocking boots with Sophie Monk, you know? I'd love, how good it be of like this summer? There's like, I don't know how this would happen, but I'd love to just, it just comes out one way or another in a very respectful way, uh, you know, where no no invasion of privacy or whatever, but it comes out in the media that Stoinis has been blowing out Sophie Monk's back. I think that would honestly, what that would do for the morale of this great nation, I think honestly couldn't be put into paper. You know what I mean? I think if Stoinis starts knocking boots with Sophie Monk, inflation goes down. That's what I honestly think. I think housing prices start to stabilize, and I think this nation moves into the future with a renewed sense of camaraderie. But Stoinis went absolutely nuts, 59 off 18 balls, and uh, fantastic. He was ably supported by Finchie. Unfortunately, um, there was some sort of a miscommunique with Finchie. He thought he was opening the batting for Victoria in a Sheffield Shield match. So he went out there and, and plotted along to 31 of 42 deliveries. Uh, I've never seen a man just sort of, uh, to be honest, uh, here's the thing. I don't even want to rip on Finchie. He was so good. He was a gun. He was a fantastic captain. The thing with Aaron Finch is he is 37 years old. Okay. He's a 37 year old man. There's a reason no one in the Australian cricket team is 42. Once you hit 36, the eyes start to go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Finchie, Get out while you still can. He's got three or four years ahead of him of just being a mercenary around the world, playing T20 cricket, filling his boots. There's a UAE league coming up with like crazy money. Go get some, go fill your boots, Finchie, while you still can. Buy a big fuck off house and uh, sit there pumping darts on your on your massive deck 
knowing that you are an Australian cricket legend, okay? And also, I don't like it when players that have had a fantastic career sort of go out with a whimper, not a bang. So that's my only issue with Finchie. I do wish him the best. I hope he gets some runs next game. He probably won't. He's not very good anymore, and that's okay. Okay? That's okay. So good luck to the Australian cricket team and the rest of this competition. Anyway, regardless, blah, 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 that is the podcast for this week. Live podcast, December 2nd, link in bio. Get those tickets. Ideally, I don't want to put this on social media, so get in quick because it's a small room and it will sell out. So if you'd like to come, link in my Instagram bio. Up next, we got a rollicking chat with Rowan. Best one yet. I actually got, um, I guess, like Loke assaulted at a gig the other week, and uh, we talk about that. I just got pushed a few times by this comedian and um, threatened heaps, but it's actually a pretty good yarn, and uh, me and Rowan get into that, and dude, yeah, so crack on, see you at the live episode, thanks for listening, etc., dude, etc. Way too long, way too long, yeah, and I can see the ground now, I'm way too gone, way too gone. All right, legends, welcome back to, I don't even know, I guess the second part of the podcast, that's what we're going with. It's not that marketable. <laughs> it's a little bit wordy, if anything. But whatever you want to call it, Rowan Arneal uh, continues to join us in the second half. Nothing to it but to do it. Rowan, how yeah. are you going? Yeah, post-holiday. Feeling much the same. Feeling much the same? Yeah, yeah. No sort of lingering effects of a possible recharge? Oh, I think I had a recharge. I had a recharge. I had about six days of recharge. And then I spent two days with three days with toddlers and then went to a festival. And I think that kind of, boom, my recharge is out. Yeah, dude, you can't. I shouldn't have finished with the festival. I should have started with the festival, you obviously. Can't, you can't festival post recharge mm. because, I mean, I don't even want to say it out loud. It's obvious. Yeah, yeah, it's just the way things are. Back back to the grindstone. It feels good. Routine is good. Routine is good. Me and Maka always say this, that like, mate, you never come back from holidays recharged in your 20s. No, no. Nor should you. Yeah, yeah. I, I could barely wake up today. Yeah, because you're all schmozzled. Mate, if you come back from your holiday as a fully-fledged 20-whatever-you-are and you're recharged, ready to jump back into your normal life... I don't even know what that would look like. Yeah, you're not friends with us, that's for sure. Because, like, you you shouldn't be getting more sleep on your holiday than you do in your normal life. Yeah, I I think I was still getting sleep, just a a much lower quality of sleeping. Yeah, due to the various extracurricular activities. Yeah, big time. That you're enjoying on your holiday. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what it's all about. But these people who come back refreshed and recharged from a holiday at 24... It's like, I'm sorry, was was being 24 that stressful? You had to check yourself into some form of a fucking retreat. I think the people that... Have you seen those exercise holidays? Oh, dude. Those people come back recharged. They definitely come mm. back recharged. But I would argue they were never drained. Fuck, that's true. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what? how did... Mate, you went camping with the missus. How was it? Oh, we had a big laugh at you. That's for sure. The make or break Billy Darcy. Mate, I'm telling you, if you if you take your missus into the bush for your first holiday together, one on one, for me that's make or break. So for you, you'd you'd camp somewhere not in the bush, or you'd go on a holiday, meet 
you, Macca, her. No, I'm saying that <laughs> my first holiday with the missus, uh, we go somewhere more user-friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where if something fucks up, there's a staff member I can scold. Mm. Yeah, well, she reminded me that the fourth time we'd ever hung out, I invited her to a wedding where we camped. Wow. So, yeah, mate, when you raise the stakes, Arneel. Yeah. Was- <laughs> when you Let's see how this works out, Arneel. Yeah, dude, big players take big swings. And, mate, it's high risk, high reward. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, I, I think... My first holiday with a girlfriend, you know, I'd have somewhere nice that she wanted to go and also like, you know, maybe I've got Macca staying three doors down <laughs> just in case it all gets too much, you know. It coincides with a boy's trip to Bali. Yeah, I'd do that thing where I've done this with Macca before where I just pretend to bump into him places. Oh, <laughs> like not on holiday, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. like one time Macca texted me and I was on a bucks in the city and he's like, mate, I've been at the races all day. What's doing? I go, mate, we're in Darling Harbour on this box. Why don't you just rock up and I'll just pretend to bump into you. And then Mac is like, sounds good. And then so I'm literally with the buck and I turn a corner. I go, you're shitting me. (laughs) (laughs) I go, Macca, what are you doing here, mate? And he's like, Bill, fucking hell, mate. You didn't tell me you'd be here. And then I go to my my mate who was like, it's his bucks. But I go, mate, would it be cool if... (laughs) Would it be cool if Macca joins us for a few beers? Like, this is so... Whoa, this is so in the moment right now. Mm, would it be cool if my friend that I clearly like more than you joined us? <laughs> Perfect. There's a bit of that. There's a bit of that. But yeah, mate, so nothing went wrong camping? Nothing went wrong. Uh, was there any rain? There what- was rain, but we went to a fancy restaurant. Oh, really? Yeah. I love that. Got high, went to a fancy restaurant, ate some tuna tartare. Tuna tartare. Well, yeah, I don't know, some seafood chilled i don't know here's the thing about camping you really can just and when you're camping you realize why your parents enjoyed it so much more than you when you were younger because you can crack out the wine so early i had a few daytime fires oh dude i'm not waiting till it gets dark it's two (laughs) o'clock it's time to sit around a fire the bushman's telly (laughs) yeah Yeah, 100 percent, dude we used to always get like um when we had the old lad pad we'd have a fire in the backyard and then, like, we'd obviously all be blazing and drinking beers. And then, like, you'd just lose one of the lads for, like, 10 minutes. And we'd be like, we'd be like, oh, Adzi, how you going over there? And he'd be like, I'm up to season two. This is wild. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you would just, you'd just look into the fire and it's just like, I don't know what the psychology behind that is. It feels so productive. Here's the thing. You're staring at something. You're basically staring into space, but it doesn't feel not productive. Mm, especially when I, like one o'clock, I'm like, I got to go gather some wood. Yes. And then I've gathered the wood. Wow. Look at me. Look at me. The yeah. provider, Rowan Arneal, as usual, providing yeah. warmth for his family. Or your missus comes out and she's like, oh, this is so lovely and toasty. Yeah. And you're like, oh, look, I've made it happen. I made that happen for you, babe. Mm. Hey. Also, then, then, oh, what do you, you want a, a glass of water or something? I've got that too. Mm, got Din- l- dinner's in the car. The fucking car is our shelter. <laughs> You've got the full pyramid of human needs as mm. provided by Rowan Arneal. As many Aldi dips as you could possibly imagine. This is the high life with a provider. Oh, my. This is, this, this is just a mere taste <laughs> of some of the, the little bits of life you could be experiencing if you choose me mm. as your life partner. Exactly. Yeah. Just provider shit as usual. Was was there any moments where you thought, fucking hell, mate, it's time to be a man here. I've got to sort this out. Um, 
You know when, like, if you get those moments when you've got a girlfriend where, like, it could be something stupid where, like, you know, there's a fucking massive huntsman in the wall mm. or, like, some bloke, like, will just... How fucking annoying is it when, like, some random bloke in the wild is rude to your missus oh. to the point where it's like, well, fucking hell, now it's on me to sort this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no one was vaguely aggressive to my girlfriend. But you know when I'm, like... You know when you're, like, at a bar somewhere and someone... Like, I'm provoked. Like, someone will just yell, like, I don't know, this never really happens. I know, I know, but you but imagine it too. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, It happens yeah. very rarely. Mm. But some bloke will do something, like, have a go at your fucking missus, stupid mate. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, Bill, you better sort this out. And it's like, fuck me. I don't know what, what tribe this guy's neck tattoos are, are fucking heralding from, but I know that it's a tribe that would beat the shit out of me. Mm. Who is that, um... He was a Manly Seagulls player that got done for DV. What was his name? It could be fucking any of them. Well, it could, I forgot which one it is. Um, pretty good player, but yeah, bad boy. <laughs> they always are. Yeah, yeah. Huge argument over Fortnite. And then his then turns violent. His wife goes next door to for help, to seek help. Yeah. And they the next door neighbours let her in and then- the NR- there's an NRL player at the door now screaming and- I did hear about this. Yeah. And here's the thing. So, this is what I'm saying. So, now this bloke, yeah, yeah. by virtue of his wife saying, you need yeah. to sort this out. Now, it's like, fucking hell. It's me versus the Seagulls number 13. I'm a- I work in IT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, he got pushed out the front door to deal with this. And it's yeah. like, I'm a different caliber of man. Dude. In this situation, I very much am basically a woman. Put me in the woman category when it comes to like- Compared to this man, Island of Descent, you're a small white dude. I'm a woman. Yeah. I'm sorry. The, ru- the rules are different right now. Yeah. White guys are white guys in the context of white guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If there's, <laughs> yeah. If there's a Samoan man in the room, white guys get demoted to woman. Yeah. Yeah. For God's sake. If there's a Samoan man in the room, white guys are women and Samoan women are white guys <laughs> and white women are poodles. <laughs> yeah, they're not in the equation at that point. Yeah, dude. I do have those fantasies, though. I do have fantasies of I like to defend my woman's honour. So, I have fantasies of people being- Oh, you got to. It's called listening to rap music on the bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, now I'm just like, for my own pleasure, imagining someone being quite horrible to my girlfriend. <laughs> like, how have I gotten here, mate? Yeah, yeah. But I really, I show him, but I also stay on the high road the entire time. And I make him walk away. Wow. That's, that's the way I play it in these fantasies. I don't need to throw a punch. I'm too strong for that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, See, in my fantasies, I've always like snapped something over his head, like a stool or something. <laughs> yeah. I, high road and I just make him jog on so hard. I just make him jog on so hardcore. Dude, so I've actually got something that does relate to this. I used to date this girl and what happened was her roommate. This is one of these things where like by virtue of association- mm you become like the the fucking defense team or whatever. <laughs> so what happened was I was dating this girl at the time and she was great. Yeah. No qualms there. Her roommate, also lovely, just happened her ex-boyfriend was a pretty significant bikey. <laughs> okay. And he'd been like stalking her and- um, Fuck. Um, you know, sort of, you know, uh, I think he had maybe kidnapped her at one point before I met her. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things you don't ask. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, it was rude. So, anyway, what happened was they actually ended up getting a panic button in their apartment 
because this bloke was coming by. All this is happening. Billy D just starts dating her roommate. We don't know about any of this. And there was a couple of nights where she was like, fuck, I'm so glad you're here because this bloke might come around. My girlfriend said that to me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? Yeah, I have a podcast. I'm not allowed to be a line of defense. Dude, I'm like, fucking hell. Like, and, and this guy, he was a bikey, but he was a big bikey. Yeah, he's yeah. a fucking huge bikey. And he was like tatted up, the full deal. Mm. Like, even if I was the same size as this man, which he probably would have had 30 kgs on me in the cage, mm. um, it was straight, like, he's way harder than me. Oh, of course. Not bro. even close. But it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, hey, hey, who's this? What are you? I'm so glad you're here, Billy. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, did local comedian Billy Darcy piss off a bikey? Because, I don't know, I, I don't remember him doing that, to yeah. be honest. I think I may refer the responsibilities to the panic button tonight. Yeah. I, think, I, think, fuck, I think we'll all be pressing that thing just quietly. <laughs> also, the panic button, I mean, really, uh, you know, like, obviously, good to have some line of defense, but the mm. panic button merely puts a time limit on the fucking absolute savagery this man can get up to <laughs> before before the cops arrive. The, the panic button is just fucking, you, now you've got 12 minutes to beat the shit out of Bill, whereas before you had sort of an unlimited amount of time. Mm. If anything, it's going to, if, if anything, I answer the door, the girls hit the panic button, he's going to show more urgency in beating me up because mm. he's on the clock now. And then you're just getting beaten up, flailing about. Yelling that I'm not actually seeing your ex. I'm seeing the other from the other one. Yeah, the yeah. other one, dude. I, you know, yeah. it's like so. Fucking Amy was telling me you're a footy fan. <laughs> I love footy. <laughs> My dad rides a motorbike. I grew up on the man. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, but it's one of those things where it's like, as the man in that situation, Bill, you got to sort this out, brother. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's unsettling, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so, mate, it's good to, good to see um, nothing nothing like that happened on your camping trip. But meanwhile, I'm gone, and Billy's nearly getting bashed in the Sydney comedy scene. <laughs> My poor boy. <laughs> My poor boy. Man, I, fucking, I haven't spoken about this on the podcast, eh? Hey? <laughs> so, this was... Um, this was oh mate lo- yeah speak this actually fucking ties in hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been laughing for about nine days straight <laughs> since I got the message, dude fucking <laughs> all right so oh dude I can't believe I didn't even speak about this on the pod this is actually pretty funny, <laughs> um so so here's what happened so I was doing a, a gentleman's unpaid seven to ten. And I think it's important to note that the, the spot is unpaid. <laughs> May I say, a great way to spend a Saturday. Love it. <laughs> love okay? it. Okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love the game. Here's the other thing. Speaking of being, um, you know, a man put in between a rock and a hard place, this incident happened at this show. I brought a date to the show. <laughs> so it was a bit of that as well, even though she wasn't um, in the room. But what happens is, so... This comedian in, uh, basically sort of threatened to beat the fuck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest comedian I've ever seen. And this is the real issue, okay? You think Billy D hasn't had a couple of haters in his time? It's fine, okay? We take it in our stride and we move forward, okay? This guy is the... I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the, the biggest comedian in Sydney. I would argue he might be the biggest comedian in Australia. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Not in popularity, but in stature. No, physicality, Physicality, brother. so strong. What a man. Dude, I've admired this- his 
body before. Oh, my God. He's the sort of guy who has to turn sideways to get through a fucking narrow door. Mm. You know, he's got an upside triangle of a back. And I think he'd be genuinely no band 6'8". Yeah, massive. Yeah. And hasn't had a great home life. I mean, I don't know that for sure. Um, well, this his next- adult home life when he's been in charge. Yeah. Look, I don't want to speculate on what goes ha- what goes on behind closed doors with this fully-fledged gentleman, but I will say that looking back on this incident, I would say that a lot of this speculation would be fair enough. <laughs> okay? It's, it's not all bands. His life is not all bands. Yeah, it's not all bands. <laughs> and uh, sometimes when you're living in the ivory tower in Manly, <laughs> you fucking forget that some blokes have got some real ruse loose in the top paddock. <laughs> yeah. A 39 and living in a hostel. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so what happened was, um, it's actually a pretty good story, I guess. Fuck. So what happened was I was doing this, uh, got a drink with a, a, a girl. Mm. And this is actually an interesting one because this girl has um, mugged me off twice previously. <laughs> this is our third time dating, <laughs> which is pretty good. And, and, and I'm, I'm owed too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like one all, we, the yeah. fans want the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's hurt you twice. Oh, she's hurt me twice. <laughs> <laughs> And one time was at uni, and then the next time we were adults. So there's no excuse for this on my end, yeah, the third yeah. time. Um, but what can I say? <laughs> yeah. She's a dynamic young woman, and I'm still interested. <laughs> I can cop an L, and I will come back. Yeah, yeah. I think if anything, I'm like, oh, I, it, it, this time, do you know what it is? I'm betting on the fact that she probably can't hurt me worse than previously. Yeah, and there's also been a lot of L's in between all these other ones. Do you know what it her. is? I think, I think... I think, firstly, I think I've taken her best punches. Yeah. Secondly, I think I'm a stronger fighter than I was then, <laughs> emotionally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, here we go again. He's lost seven kilos and he's ready. Yeah, exactly. I've grown a beard now, you know. Beautiful. I'm slightly more famous. So, <laughs> you know, I just think the fight will be a bit more level play, a bit more of a level playing field <laughs> this time around. Anyway, um, and, you know, that should be indicated by the fact that I, I, I brought her to see me do seven minutes of new material. Perfect. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like I'm willing to be embarrassed in front of you because, mm. because uh, you know, what, what more is there to lose? Mm. Um, so anyway, it was so funny as well because she always messages me after a breakup. Like she'll, <laughs> she'll have like a long-term relationship with someone and she messaged me Friday night. She said, oh, Billy, oh, my God, what's going on? And I just responded. I said, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and then I met her for a drink and um and uh she's like, Oh, it's so good to see you. I go, It's great to see you. And then I go, All right then, what's going on? We fresh off a breakup or what? <laughs> and she goes, Yeah, two months ago. <laughs> Honesty's the best policy. I'm I'm happy to be here regardless. Nice. So anyway, so I hang out with her. She's fucking awesome. Like, um, we have a great time. I do the show. Uh the show, I'll be candid about the show and what happened previous to the incident and there afterwards. The show is not going well. Mm. Okay, the MC, who uh, is also the person who attempted to kill me, it didn't go great, mm. okay? And that's not, you know, that's one of those things that happens. Yeah. We've all hosted comedy. It's tricky, okay? The first act after the MC was kind of more or less thrown to the wolves, metaphorically. <laughs> and Which is always nice when you've got a woman in the crowd. So oh, it's, yeah. oh, it's good to see. Everyone's bombing. This is going to be sick. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking lowering the bar. I'm looking good <laughs> on this date. This is great. Anyway, I go up there and I start getting a few laughs. Okay. Now it's possible this went to my head. It's very possible. 
And so I, get, I, I, um, and I've still got, you know, I was riffing a bit. It's one of those shows where it's like, you're doing seven minutes, you're doing seven to 10. Mm. So I'm riffing away a little bit and sort of getting the room roused a bit. And it's going, it starts to go quite well. The MC lights me. Okay. Now I'd possibly potentially too arrogantly say on stage, I said, I'd say, I literally say, all right, I'm disregarding the light. I'm doing more time because I've earned it. <laughs> Which is true to form of Billy Darcy. He has been known to do that. It's arrogant, but it's also the truth. And uh, I said, dude, I'm rescuing this thing, which which was also the truth. <laughs> which is also <laughs> arrogant. <laughs> it's all on the table. Anyway, um, also there was this, I, didn't, I hadn't done my last bit yet. And also I was only seven minutes into the seven to 10. Yeah. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. I didn't, uh, the guy keeps lighting me. Okay. Like just flashing the light and he's fucking enormous. Mm. Okay. Now I don't really think much of it because I've known this guy for like five years. Yeah. Obviously, uh, casually. Yeah. But he's always been nice to me. I'm nice to him, whatever. Anyway, so he's lighting the shit out of me. I go, Jesus Christ, better get off here. <laughs> um, so I do nine minutes. I check my phone when I get off. It was nine. Okay. So he comes over, like sort of stands over me. He looks angry. Mm. And he goes, so what happened, mate? You just didn't see the light? <laughs> and I go, oh, fuck, here we go. I go, no, nah, I saw it. I disregarded it. <laughs> I go, I go, mate, honestly, I was just being a cunt up there. I went over my time knowingly. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? A great apology. It, mate, but also, every, I, I refuse. I get, I, I get sticky feet in that room as well. Yeah. Okay. So, while it, on, on a technicality, I went two minutes over my allotted seven. When you take into effect, you know, the two minutes I spent rousing the room, whipping them into some sort of comedy shape, as it were. You know, if anything, I'm probably owed another 30 seconds. So Also, with that show, lots of people bomb there and they never do their full time. So, me and you get to eat up those little two minutes. Those yeah, little one exactly. Minute all over exactly. The place. And, you know, there's probably a little bit of, you know, a lot <laughs> a lot of people go over their time in that room. And, you know what I mean? There's a bit of a, bit of a backdoor deal that if you're actually good at comedy, you could probably do an eighth minute. But anyway. <laughs> I've experienced a bit of that. I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not fucking driving into the city for a gentleman's four. But anyway, but that's all off the table. I went over my time. You know, I was given the light and I disregarded it. Okay. <laughs> that's all on the table. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. I think I came across as maybe more arrogant in this interaction than he then maybe I wanted to because I, in my mind, I'm thinking I haven't clocked the fact yet that this guy is fucking furious. Yeah. Well, obviously, if that was me, I'd be like, well, who gives a shit? It's East Sydney. What yeah. the fuck? A little bit of that. Yeah. So, I haven't really clocked that he's fucking furious. So, I go, mate, yeah, I saw the line. I, I talked about the light on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows I saw the light. Okay. Um, anyway, so I go, I go, look, sorry. I go, mate, I apologize. I say it like that. I go, man, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm literally thinking this is just a courteous apology. Who gives a fuck? And he's like, and then this is where I'm like, oh, this guy's really angry. Like really angry. And I go, I go, mate, are you all right about this? Like, and he's like, no. And I go, Jesus Christ. All right. I go, fucking hell. Like, mate, calm down. And he goes, well, you asked me a question. I gave you an answer. <laughs> And at this point, I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> like, okay, I went two minutes over. Mate, if, you, if you're going to threaten everyone who's ever gone over their time in Sydney comedy, 
you're gonna have some tired arms from all the floggings you're gonna have to hand out. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I go, I go, fucking hell, all right. And then and now it's awkward in the green room. There's only four people in the green room, and uh, so obviously now it's like super uncomfortable in the green room because <laughs> this guy's like fucking. And then um, just I don't know. He was just angry. He was just yeah, really angry. He was and it was just he was seething and it was just very uncomfortable in the green room. So I go to, I go to one of the girls on the line. I go, geez, what's his problem? Like, you know, this is a bit weird. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm thinking, I'm still not thinking much of it, but I'm thinking, fuck, this guy is really angry. Anyway, so then I go, I'm chatting to her and he's like lighting us being like, stop talking. He's like, we're, now I'm getting lit in the green room <laughs> with the fucking phone light. And I'm like, oh my God, all right. And then I'm like, also, I've had like four beers, five mm. beers. Um, so then I'm like, what the hell? Now I'm at the point where it's like you're analyzing what you said. Mm. I'm like, how could he possibly be this angry? Mm. So I go, I, I go to grab, I grab my jacket. I go, I better leave. Yeah. Because this is, I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, so I go to him. I go, listen, mate, sorry I went over my time. I don't want you and me to not get on because of this very minor incident. Mm. I go, look, mate, I've apologized. Just let it go. And he goes, you didn't fucking apologize. You're fucking goating me or um, you're baiting me is what he said. He goes, you're baiting me. That wasn't a real apology. You're just egging me on, mate. And he goes, you better get the fuck out of here. I'm going to kick, like, not kick the shit out of you. He goes, I'm going to fucking kill you. And he goes, you got it. He goes, get the fuck out of here, mate. Get the fuck out of here or you're going to go outside. I'm going to flog you. And here's the thing. You're laughing about this, dude. This is humorous. It's very scary at the time. Though. Here's the thing. I feel like it's not coming across how big this guy is. And you with your little rosy cheeks just being like, I'm sorry. I don't know what's yeah, going on. And yeah. him going, you're baiting me, you little cunt. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, whoa. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, here we go. And then and then I go, all right, mate, chill out. And it's one of those things where like the more you tell someone to chill out, yeah, yeah, he's the less they now. chill out. Anyway, so I'm like, I'm like, mate, fucking hell, all right. And he's I go, mate, I apologize. Like, Jesus. And he goes, you didn't fucking apologize. And he pushes me. And then I go, it's one of those things where you go, okay, now we've got a situation because oh, I can't just have some random guy just fucking push me around. But also this cunt's six foot eight. There could be consequences. Mm. Like it's it's a, a delicate situation now. So I go, I go, dude, don't touch me. But I, I try to hit the tone just perfectly like that. Mm. I go, whoa, 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 brother. I go, dude, don't touch me. And he's like, and he's like, mate, get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, all right. And then uh, and then so I'm like, mate, you just need to calm down. Like, it's fine. And he's like, and and when he pushed me, like, I go, mate, don't fucking touch me. And I looked at, I had a real good look at him because I thought, now I'm like, dude, if if this goes outside, this cunt will snap me in half. I will get folded by this bloke. Mm. Like, this is now I'm like actually taking the situation seriously. Like, (laughs) so now I'm like, oh my god. Also, he's still hosting the show. Like, (laughs) stand up comedy. Everyone's fun night out. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, fuck. Maybe I should just. Maybe I can just defend myself until the next act goes on. He'll have to go. He'll have to go and bring them up. Hopefully, hopefully the next act runs the light as well, and you're just gonna gang up on him. Yeah. So then, dude, after he pushed me, I was like, "Don't touch me." I had a real good look at him because I was like, "Oh shit, I think this guy's like legit gonna fight me. This is really bad news." And I had a real good look, and dude, you know when you look into someone's eye, mate, this guy was furious. He was furious mm. like as angry as i've seen a man i looked out a real good look in there i thought fuck 
I don't know if all of this is for me, to be honest. Like, <laughs> there was some other stuff in there, dude. Like, mm. And I was like, Jesus Christ. But I looked at him and I realized, no, this guy's for real. <laughs> like if I, if I aggravate this situation further, this could seriously end with me getting decked. Mm. And here's the thing, mate. I'm, I'm not against some bloke decking me. <laughs> Who am I to tell other people how to live? Mm. I will say I'm not getting decked doing an unpaid gig. Mm. at least pay me $40 if you're going to literally threaten to kill me. <laughs> That's my rule. Yeah, it's also, it's a weird hill to die on. He's a psycho, I'm going to walk away. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has threatened our friends in the past. Well, that was the other thing, is he's had a couple of incidents in the past. So, <laughs> like, he threatened our mate George, who's four foot one and British. Yeah, yeah, and, he's a redhead. And George isn't English, he's British, okay? Mm. And, uh, you know, he weighs about fucking three kilos, slopping wet, so... Anyway, so I did have a bit of context that he'd snapped on a few people previously. So then I go, all right, mate, fucking hell, I'm leaving. And he, as I'm putting my jacket on, he pushes me like out the door, like a proper pusher. I'm like, I sort of like go a meter. I'm like, all right, all right. Like, Jesus. But then here's the funniest thing. So I'm out of there. So that's all right. I'm thinking, fuck, Jesus Christ. All of this has happened in about four minutes as well mm. since I've been off stage. So now I'm outside the pub, like ruffled up going like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mate, I've got to go back in and get my date. <laughs> Do you know how uncomfortable that is to, to explain? Mm. Hey, I've, like, I had to go like into like the back of the crowd and be like, <laughs> "It's not chill if we chill here." Yeah, yeah. And she's like, "I go, we have to go." And she's like, "No, I'm having so much fun." And I'm like, "No, we have to go, go." Mm. This is like, you know, this is a, a situation, as it were, and. uh and then, yeah, so we left and we ended up having a pretty good time about 100 metres down the road. Nice. Safety. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was pretty fucking interesting because I was just like, it's one of those things where, you know, when like, I'm not a fucking idiot. Yeah. I do have some level of self-reflection. So I'm thinking, <laughs> did what I, was my behaviour, what's the link between my behaviour and his behaviour? Because mm. there's a huge jump, like gap in the bridge. Yeah, I think like, he, he was bringing a little bit of baggage to that. I think he was bringing a little bit of baggage because, <laughs> to be honest, all right, I ran over my time and I was like maybe slightly arrogant on stage. It's like, all right, maybe I can see you getting like three out of 10 angry at this. Mm. This guy was at like 15 out of 10. Mm. So it's like, fuck, where's the other 12 coming from, you know? Yeah, I'm glad that um, me and him don't have a vendetta. Dude, honestly, I've, I've, I'm so jealous of you. I inherited your vendetta for probably... 36 hours, I was like, he tried to bash Billy. My little rosy-haired, beautiful boy is about to get bashed. It hurts me when people are mean to you online, and now it's happening face-to-face. -face. Dude, by the way, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm looking at TikTok comments with renewed vigor. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving TikTok comments now. I'm thinking, at least, at least I'm not pinned up against a wall. <laughs> yeah, sure, they called me a dumb cunt because I don't like Android, but who gives a shit? <laughs> I don't know their size and stature, and they don't. Do gigs with me. Dude, dude, it's, and you know, it's one of those things where I thought, fuck, what are the bloody chances? The biggest bloke. Mm. The, like, it's not even close. Like, who's the second biggest, would you say? It doesn't matter. It, there's daylight between yeah, him and the second matter. biggest. It, it just doesn't matter. Even if the second biggest was my mate, uh, we'd probably still have to go get another big guy. Yeah, well, it, everyone in our group chat would need to fight him at the and, same and time. And even then, it would be like a 50-50. 
Oh, yeah, we're still <laughs> losing, probably. Massively. <laughs> yeah, all of us have pretty good lives. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have, like, we don't want it that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, after 36 hours, I was like, oh, I don't have a vendetta anymore. Now I just think this is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, know. I don't have a vendetta either because let me tell you, man, when a bloke's this big, it's very easy to let things go. <laughs> yeah. I've personally found that in the past. I've been punched in the face by this enormous dude. I got up off the ground. And I was like, mate. What's your bloody problem? <laughs> you knocked that off. He was like, what? I'm, I'm like, why are you hitting me? He's like, oh, because I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not involved in whatever's going on right Yeah. Now. <laughs> oh, dude. So fucking good. Yeah. I was on mushrooms camping and I, at the end, I just burst into little fits of laughter and my girlfriend would be like, Billy getting pushed at, and the guy yelling that he's goading. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I messaged you guys. You, you guys were like, what happened? I was like, he kept saying I was baiting him. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not baiting you. Why, why would I fucking on purpose bait a man of your size? <laughs> yeah. so like, I'm, not, I, I'm not the dumbest kind of life. It's Just, stretching the term so far. Dude. So funny. Oh, my God. But, yeah. So, that, that was pretty funny. <laughs> It's funny in hindsight. And even at the time, I was like pretty rattled. But then I was just like, fuck. I was just trying to work it out. Because mm. I was like, I, I don't think what I did could make someone this angry. Mm. But it's one of those things where you just steer clear of him from now on. <laughs> <laughs> also, he apologized to me like three days later. And it was like a two-sentence apology. So, it's like, <laughs> it's like I, don't, I wasn't picking up huge hints of remorse. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Yeah, when I threaten someone, I like to leave a nice big paragraph. Yeah. I really like to break down that I was totally in the wrong. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. sure, I've... Do you know what you said? You said sorry about the other night, obviously. <laughs> it wasn't so obvious at the time, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we've got clarity, do we? <laughs> oh, but yeah. I mean, God willing, I'll still be alive this time next year. Yeah, well... So we can still laugh about this. This could be a fucking... A love letter at my funeral. This story. <laughs> Hosting stand-up comedy is stressful. We it's will fucking give it to stressful, him. dude. <laughs> oh, anyway. What else going on? Oh, I did... Um, I what happened at this festival? Oh, it was like one of those things where it was in a park near where my mates live yeah. in Wollongong. And we were like... Shh. Oh, is that that house I went to in Wollongong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick home. But yeah, let's just, home. let's just go. hundred bucks. We'll, we'll pop in, have a good time on the hill. And then that got like somewhat flooded and it got moved to a Wollongong University. And then the main stage is like inside. Um, so you can't enjoy from the fringe as much. I'll say this. Here's the thing is that when you go to like Falls or Splendor or one yeah. of these where there's a big, a big hill, a lot of people have purchased their tickets knowing full well they're never going to get off that hill. So if you, it's like Blues Fest and shit, mate. A lot of people are looking for that hill. So you can't just be like, oh, hey, by the way, this is just going to be an all-in mosh inside now. It's like, well, hang on a minute, mate. Mm -hmm. I'm a hill guy. I mean, Rowan's got a fucking ponytail. He's what? a hill guy. We all knew like two songs from each band. That's hill That's hill stuff. It's hill territory. Yeah, dude. Marky, God bless his soul, he thought Grinspoon was thirsty, mate. Thirsty Merc. <laughs> and, and then, They're and, not even close. And then he's getting excited. He's like, you don't know Grinspoon? In the summertime. <laughs> he's doing the Bondi Rescue theme song. And we're like, mate, that's not, that's bloody Thirsty Merc. He's like, fuck. So it's the morning and 
Marky thought we were saying thirsty, Merrick. He's furious. He hates hard rock. He hates rock and roll, really. He kept, he kept going to people. Me and Marky had a fun time, but boy, did we shit on the entire event the entire time. Oh, dude. So, Marky's um, he's going to play someday, someday. <laughs> he's a soft rock boy. Oh, mate. I fucking love that. Oh, so um, Marcus is standing next to all these people that are just yelling th- Grinspoon um, lyrics, and he's just going, mm, rock and roll, not really a lot. doesn't really translate live, does it, though? <laughs> they're going, what? <laughs> Mate, that is brutal. <laughs> Me and Marky are clowning around on the side of an enormous school hall. Also, and- you can't you can't claim to be a Thirsty Merc fan as well. If you, <laughs> you legitimately think their band's name is Grinspoon. <laughs> <laughs> so he can't even claim to be upset that it's not Thirsty Merc. It's like, well, you didn't even know what they were called. <laughs> <laughs> he had a vibe. He had a vibe going. <laughs> and then we were playing the music of all the bands that were on that day before we were going. And that lasted about 12 minutes. We were like, let's just put on some music we normally listen yep, to. I've so done we that. started the day off <laughs> we started the day off wrong. Yeah. And then we take a bunch of mushrooms for a rock event for I guess old people. Marcus got absolutely obsessed with his mortality um (laughs) let me tell you if you're on mushrooms and you start thinking about your mortality you better nip that in the bud pretty quick because once that train leaves the station you're in all sorts he's just looking at 40 year old dudes in three-quarter pants and blink 182 shirts just going mate when i turn 30 i'm gonna put a bullet in my brain i'm like all right we're the train is on the wrong tracks could we all just say that i know we're pissed off but here's the thing that's why you shouldn't go to festivals with old people because you don't want to look around at some like 43-year-old who looks so upset. I know. Because then it's like, oh, that's right. We're all going to die. Yeah. And I was like, I was thankful that I don't actually listen to this music. Because I, I got there and I was like, am I part of this demographic? And then I watched the band. So I was like, oh, I don't give a shit about this stuff at all. What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm not going to get obscenely fat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I first started going to festivals when I was like, you know, 18 or whatever, I didn't have fucking... Like, I didn't know any of the acts. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like, like, when people are like, uh, mate, uh, do you want to come to this festival? Because, like, the thing is, obviously, Macca comes to all these festivals with me. Mate, Macca likes 80s rock and roll. Mm. He, and we're going to fucking groove in the moo. Mm. You think Macca gives a shit about a single act there? Mm. You know what I mean? You can have fun at festivals where you don't know a single act. Definitely, definitely. Less so inside. But then also, when it's a young crowd, you're just looking at, attractive young women and thinking about your mortality mortality as well. So it's a lose-lose sometimes. You reckon? Oh. I think the vibe at your pre's might be off. <laughs> Everyone rocks up <laughs> contemplating death. <laughs> well, we were having a great time at pre's. We were having an excellent time. But then we got in there and it's, it's just, they need more people working at these events. They just frankly do. Well, how so? Did it take too long to get in? Too long to get in. And also, I've taken the mushrooms way too early, so I'm- Okay. I'm mid-trip. Yeah. And I'm having a good time. But then we get in and we realize we're just in a university courtyard and the, we look at the alcohol line and it's so long. Was this Listen Out or? I think it was Spring Loaded or something. Yeah, right. Um, didn't buy the merch. Won't be back next year. Maybe if it's on a hill, actually. Here's the thing. Uh, the hill. <laughs> the hill is a big thing, mate. Like, it's very hard. You can put any band on the planet. Let's say you've got 4,000 people, any band on the planet, and you and your mates having beers on mushrooms on a beautiful mm. hill, yeah. on a beautiful sunny day. It's pretty hard to have a bad time doing that. And rock and roll from 300 feet away 
more my style. Translates. I will say, um, when you got you know like like a little Nas X type character or something, mm. sometimes it, it you'll be on the hill and you'll be thinking, "Fuck, this isn't hitting the hill." Mm. When you got like some like Tash Sultana's up there going nuts in bare feet, mm. she's hitting the hill. It hits the hill, yeah, yeah. And then we get in there, and I'm like, I look at the beer line, and it's so long, and I'm <sighs> like, "Fuck, I have nothing to calm my anxiety." Yeah. So we all buy water, and then I buy a nachos. Okay. Everyone's everyone's so wigged out by me. They're like, what are you doing with nachos, right? I'm like, I needed to be comforted. There's no alcohol. Yeah. Step into my psyche, mate. If there's no alcohol, I am binge eating. It doesn't matter if I'm on mushrooms and I'm at a festival. And then we found a little grassy area out the back, a nice smoking section to hear no music for about four hours until we all got the confidence to go inside. Jesus Christ, dude. So, yeah, that was fun, I guess. Yeah. Um, Mate, the thing with the alcohol lines at festivals is like- they need to do something where it's like the maximum wait time has to be 20 minutes because yeah. there are festivals where it's like the wait time for a beer is 50 minutes. Mm. I'm sobering up. Yeah. So I'm I'm growing unhappy as a customer. <laughs> okay. But also, mate, the fucking sets are 45 minutes. You could go, oh, sweet, my favorite band's coming on in 15 minutes. I'll go grab a beer. Mm. You miss their whole fucking set mm. in the line. Yeah. The light, we, we spent a bit of time in the line later, but it probably took us about two hours to get there. Um, and I'd been to a festival so long that I'm like, oh, of course, I should have brought alcohol in. Obviously, that's what I used to do. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've been to one since COVID. It was my first one. Yeah. And then Marky lined up for ages with us, and then he got the treat of being invited to purchase one of their non-alcoholic drinks. Oh, really? And he said- The uh, VIP offer. The VIP offer. He said, oh, uh, just the beer maybe? And they said- Actually, we're going to extend an offer for only non-alcoholic drinks of the year. So, he waited an hour and got cut off. <laughs> got cut off at like an enormous festival as well. Just for being sunburnt, really. Yeah. That was his crime. He yeah. was sunburnt. It's a crime to be pale. It is a crime to be pale when drunk. And then we were laughing so hard. We thought it was the funniest thing in the world. So, my friend, I'd already gotten my drinks. My friend behind him, he got cut off as well because she was like, you're going to give it to him. And he's like- I'm not going to. <laughs> I just find it very funny when he turned around with he turned around with a Red Bull and goes, "I just got a special offer for a non-alcoholic drink." <laughs> he had four Red Bulls. Yeah, that, that's going to help his anxiety. <laughs> Fucking four Red Bulls back to back. But like, mate. Also, it's like you're just going to give it to him. Firstly, I am. Yeah, obviously. And secondly. There is no way for me to prove to you that I am not, unless I scull the drink in front of you, which ironically would get me to cut off. Also, it's like, you know what you're doing. You're just taking a dent off the circle's drinks. You're not really yeah, cutting them off. Yeah, exactly. And also, here's the thing. They, the bar should be higher at festivals. Like, the level of drunk you need to be to get cut off at a pub compared to a festival. Like, mm. mate, to cut someone off at a festival... They should be like trying to fight a tree or something. Exactly. Paralytic. If you can order a beer at a festival, I say you fucking deserve one. If you've waited in the line without pissing yourself, get yourself a beer, man. Enjoy it. Oh, then I came out of the main stage room and I'm, I have a cigarette. And then one of these, there's like cops there and he's like, oh, mate. He does one of, you know, when cops try and be your friend, he's like, mate, I'd hate for you to get kicked out, bro. 
because you're smoking a cigarette. If you just you just got to put that out for me, and I'm like, oh yeah, of course. You'd hate nothing more than me getting kicked out. Of course, Which, this is part of your job as the in the festival. Wait, what? Where were you smoking? In Some a, sort of a non-smoking area, a paved area. Yeah, I didn't know it was non-smoking. I I bummed a cigarette off someone smoking, so I wasn't <laughs> yeah. thinking. That's the that's the thing is like um. Uh, and here's the thing. This is just one of those ethical rock and a hard place things because the cop is right. Yeah. You shouldn't be smoking there. Yeah. But it's one of those things where you go, all right, mate, f- fine. Yeah. You are right. Yeah. But there's about 52 blokes behind me smoking in the exact same area. And it's like, look, sure, it's an eating area. But the only thing there is to for food here is nachos and chip on a stick. <laughs> so give me a fucking break. These aren't yeah, real yeah. meals. Yeah, exactly. There's there's no There's no food being served here. That deserves its own area. Oh, that deserves to not have a bit of smoke around it. Yeah, no yeah, way. Yeah. It's like, officer, officer, what, <laughs> what's wrong, citizen? I was just trying to enjoy my chip on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Young man smoking. Yeah, yeah. And this man is smoking Winfield Blues in my general vicinity. <laughs> I can barely taste the salt. <laughs> and I was fine with him telling me or whatever. I put it out. I'm like, whatever. But then he's, he tried to hang out. He was like, oh, how much did this place set you back? And this is a lovely moment at a festival when you know you're a cop, I'm a guy, and I don't have any drugs on me. Yeah. So, and my biggest crime was I was smoking and I put a cigarette out. He's like, oh, 110 bucks. Wow. And then they bet they sting you for the drinks as well. And these lines, my mate's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. They sting you for the lines. Yeah, these busy. like, oh, yeah, I think, I think they're ripping you off a little bit, mate. And I was just like, mate, yeah, I completely agree. I paid $110. Now- I'm in a fucking paved area talking to a cop. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh, 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 I see. And just walked away. And it's oh, like, yeah, get the fuck out of here, cunt. Mate, how are you so mean on mushrooms? <laughs> oh, I have been very mean in the past in mushrooms. On mushrooms. Really? Oh, this is Yeah. I don't I know t- if they're working for you, brother. Well, I'm just- The, the so- one cop to extend an olive branch <laughs> to a punter. He's gone back to the police stand and he's told them, lads, don't bother. Everyone out there is a massive cunt. <laughs> Well, it's like, I don't feel like talking to the person that's telling me what to do. But here's the thing. Now the next bloke's smoking. He's he's in the back of a paddy wagon. <laughs> You've scarred that cop for I've life. only been mean to people on mushrooms when they've told me what to do. And when I, what I'm doing is, I think, a victimless crime. Anyway, mate, we've almost done an hour. Oh, nice. Seems like too, too long, if anything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> a lot of this is going to hit the cutting room floor. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Well, also, one bit of it was like a 35-minute yarn about that bloke trying to kill me. So, it's like, fuck. Might just cancel this week's episode. <laughs> uh, anyway, mate. Um, oh, Also, mate, I would have announced the live episode December 2nd. You'll be there? Yeah, I'll be there. It's in the calendar. Know. Yeah, I'll get you on stage to do something. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll discuss. Fuck it. All right, cool. Thank you.